Step three, open that box. This is the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with your boy, the Brian Campbell, ready to rock and roll with the bang, bang. Bang, 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 bang. We are back. It's the SOC. It's box. I am in Las Vegas, though. You can probably hear the washedness in my voice. Apologies if uh, if I lose my voice here. I got this thing when I land in Vegas. The city curses me for the next 24 hours with full-on jet lag, almost hangover symptoms. It's a full-on mess here. It's early morning. Got a lot of skinhead white guy stuff coming up. UFC 246 coverage. By the way, it's Conor McGregor. It's Cowboy Cerrone. It's big business. You all know this. Check out what we got going for you this week on the SOC. Full preview with Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans. Friday media day interviews. Bonus bonus one-on-ones with the likes of Jorge Masvidal. You're not going to want to miss that. We'll get in those scrums with Connor and Cowboy to get you that sound you need. And, of course, the Instant Analysis Podcast Saturday after the fights in Vegas. You don't want to miss that. But I had to find some time because I'm always ready. I was born ready. To bring the box to you, folks. Uh, I didn't forget you this week, all right? I didn't forget you. I don't have a lot of time, but I snuck it in. Here's what the rundown of today's show will be. We're going to have big-time chats you're not going to want to miss with Danny Swift Garcia and Jarrett Swift Heard. It's an all-Swift edition. I'm sorry, Swift Jarrett Heard. Two times the Swift for you, of course. They're going to be part of that January 25th, a little bit more than a week from now, Showtime card at the Barclays in Brooklyn. You got DSG going in there against Ivan Redkotch, which should be a nice brawl. Jarrett Heard coming back after that loss to J-Rock Williams. He's going to jump on the show, tell us why he turned down that contracted mandatory rematch that he had. Why 154 is still in his future. And of course, the swag champ, Danny Garcia, is going to entertain you just the same. And look, I, I can't give you a show without giving you the bugs. Rafe Bugs is going to join us shortly with big time reactions. To the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 2 press conference that they had in Los Angeles to sort of set the stage, set the narratives for that February 22nd pay-per-view showdown. Wow, wow. Uh, won't be too, We're not going to find out if Rafe cares, though. Of course, there is a, a boxing weekend in front of us. You're going to have that Elider Alvarez, Michael Seals fight on ESPN. That should be a nice slugfest. Uh, J-Rock Williams, the aforementioned, will be on Fox, of course, against Jason Rosario. Going to be interesting to see his comeback fight there, how he looks in his first title defense, and all that stuff. Uh, reminder, five-star review season uh, five-star review season is always upon us, so hit us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. You consume fine audio, and uh, spread it forward, okay? Spread that, spread that along, all right? Let's do the right thing. Let's bang. Let's bang. See you later. Left, right, good night. But uh, your boy BC is running out of time, so let's get this show going. After the break, we're going to take a pause for the cause, of course. A a word from our friends and sponsors. You're going to get the books. It's going to be coming right at you. Enjoy. All right. You already know I'm the best. You already know I'm sitting in a Las Vegas hotel bed, but I promised you the books, so I'm going to bring them in. A New York Times best-selling author. My best friend and yours in the sport of the damn box, it's Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lick you. Let me, lick you. Let me, lick Let me you masturbate. Seven times. Tyson Fury style. Oh, like you jerk it good. Wow. 
Rafe, what? I, it, it, it felt timely, Brian. By the way, I think for you, I'm looking at you right now. I'm looking at this man. <laughs> like, I'm looking at this man. And all I can say is, you are in no BC is washed. Ah! <laughs> hey, maybe uh, pull that shaft a little bit further away from your uh, mouth or you're going to shoot your audio load on this show. But thank you for joining me last minute, Rafe. You are in NYC, your, your home. I see the shaft poster, speaking of, above your head right there in your relic bedroom of 1998. So thank you for joining me. Condolences to you and yours on the passing of Matt Marr. Correct. The owner of McSorley's and McCriegel's, my father, my son, and me. Um, I hate when people say, how was the funeral? As if I'm going to say it was great. But how was the funeral, Rafe? Did the McSorley's family come together and embrace one of their own? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, my reason for being home this week is a sad one. Uh, Matthew Marr from County Kilkenny, Ireland, who bought McSorley's Old Ale House in 1977, actually served my father his first drink back when my father was drinking on his first night in New York City in McSorley's Old Ale House. 1968, Matt was behind the bar, served my father ale there that night. My dad got drunk there, ended up working there years later, living above the bar. Um, he passed away. He was 80 years old, had uh, four wonderful daughters, uh, one of whom my cousin is actually married to. So I'm uh, extended, extended family. I didn't know you and, bought in that way to the family, Rafe. That's great. Well, that happened way after we were already in. We're, we're, our connections, our actual um, labor connections, I feel, are deeper than the the blood connection that, that was established later on. In any case, um, it was, of course, sad uh, because just to you know have the person who was in charge of this institution that uh, meant a lot to people around the city and around the world meant the most to all of us who worked there and have been a part of it over the years. Not only certainly on a very practical level, this is like I can you can say that this you know this place and the person who owned it you know considering the buck sort of stops with him or stopped with him, that place is responsible for putting food on the Bartholomew household table, that uh, responsible for helping pay for college and all kinds of things like that. And and, uh, it was uh, so, so, you know, uh, a huge debt of gratitude to him and his family and, and wanted to pay our proper respects this week. And I think it was great. Uh, His, his family, put together a, a wake on Tuesday and uh, yesterday, Wednesday, the uh, the funeral service and the burial out in Queens and Long Island. And uh, everyone was there. I mean, every Johnny, your boy, Johnny Wad, who you've met. Oh, the uh, Wad, yes. We, we, he doesn't get around too well anymore, even though his hernia is better now. Uh, but we, we loaded him up on a big uh, party bus early yesterday morning and uh, got him, carted him around everywhere. And it was it was one of those things where obviously the reason that you're all coming together is sad, but only something as momentous as that could really bring together everyone. Literally, people have have known me since you know, I was born. And I learned one thing, actually, that I didn't already know. And I feel bad about this as someone who is close to both McSorley's and boxing in they said 1961, shortly after he won, I think, the 1960 gold medal, Muhammad Ali, still Cassius Clay then, was brought into McSorley's by some boxing guys. Not some Thailand guy, but some boxing <laughs> guys. 
and signed one of the old guest books that wow. uh, one of Maddie's sons-in-law has at his place in Queens. So I'm hoping to get a look at the then signature of the great Muhammad Ali Cassius Clay. Wow. Wow, Rafe. I love that history. Um, With the passing of, of the great Matthew Marr, will this usher in a new era for McSorley's where – uh, that woman judge can do even more things than than stand behind the bar and use their own restroom. Well, uh, <laughs> what 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 else do these women want? What do they want three minute rounds too, Brian? What, are you serious? Stop are you kidding it, me here? Stop it. Um, I imagine that's look the the key the the great thing about McSorley's is that it changes as little as humanly possible. That is by tradition and by design. And the bar is staying in the Mar family. Uh, his daughter, Teresa is one of the managers there. His son-in-law, Scott Pullman is also one of the managers there. And the plan, as far as I know it, and as far as anyway, as always, it always has been is to try do fight against the changes of time as much as possible. Keep that place a time capsule, and, and I think they're going to run it that way. Them and Bob Arum the same. So obviously he's going to do whatever he wants. Yeah, right. All right, advise. enough. Uh, enough, yeah. enough. I mean, seriously. <laughs> wow, I might not survive this. Uh, can't find the slut-shaming button. Oh, yeah. We will not tolerate any slut-shaming. Sh- slut Thank you, Bob. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, yeah. You already know I'm the best. Hey, you. Um, Thank you. Rafe, the big topic this week, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, after last week's pod where we basically said, yo, bro, I mean, you guys want to have the biggest pay-per-view that ever happened? You might want to promote that thing. To me, we'll break every pay-per-view record. It'll be the most viewed fight in the modern era of boxing. Test, 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 test. Uh, they finally had a press conference in Los Angeles. It was it was a little bit wild. Uh, not wild from the standpoint of pushing and shoving. But if you want to get that sort of thing that I do, that I... Th- I value as currency, the pre-fight banter, the look in the eye, all that stuff. There were some things to take from this, Rafe. The promotional vehicle has started. Of course, the headlines are all grabbing for this one moment from the scrum afterwards. Um, Masturbating seven times a day. Seven times. Seven times. Keep me testosterone pumping. Pumping, 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 pump it up. Don't you know? Um, Rafe. Uh, pump up the jam. Pump he pumps it. it more than once. This is confirmation. <laughs> you know my friend uh, and yours, the uh, boxing bully Brock Bess. Of course, the significant other of the of the great of the great Kate Abdo. Shout out to Brock. Is that, Bess a, is that, that public? One. Are you outing their relationship? Oh, just go on Instagram. You'll see it. All right. All right. Um, I'm not. I'm not a stalker like you. All right. You, you know, know this bro- is this is 2019. I'm out here trying to sleep with women. Bar- Barack came on this show and said, "That's it. Load watch is over. I will. I will snatch those loads." Did you hear on the Ock and Barack serious radio show that they do, sponsored by DAZN, that they had an actual doctor on to, to to break down whether what Tyson Fury was saying seven times a day to increase the testosterone by pumping it a lot of times, is true, Rafe. Barack Bess is one of us, Rafe. We thought for a second he was like, no, bro, nobody's shooting loads around me, okay? Nobody. I will I will snatch your load. I think we have caused a change in boxing media coverage, Rafe, probably for the worse, but people are going deeper to get that inside story. I think, Brian, 
we need to take a victory lap. This is this is all about us right now. No one, no one has been on the uh, po- boxing podcast about ejaculation beat like we have for years now. To this day, Brian, we have been doing it, and the rest of the world is catching on that this is good content. This is what the people want, and you got to give it to them. You got to throw a load. Just look at the stiffness. Anyway, Rafe, unless you have more jokes about the seven times a day, I'm ready to give you a takeaway. What fill I me in. Fill, well, don't fill me. Uh, I don't even want to say anything. Nah, God, good Lord. Uh, Brian, no, no, Brian, no. I just meant what was. I believe that a grove stick needs a certain rhythm. To... Okay, enough. Enough, Rich. All right, thank <laughs> Brian, you. I just wanted to ask, what did the doctor say on Barack the Boxing Bully's radio show? That it cannot increase testosterone that your testosterone is your testosterone end quote what about eating the fresh freshly killed meat of uncastrated wild boars yes. they have a lot of testosterone <laughs> that, in them, that will that will give you what you're looking for you know what i'm saying sip the juice i got enough to go around by the way that song is from the greatest soundtrack of all time juice so enough of you and Andreas Hale and everybody giving it to, uh, what do you give it to? You know it. It's above the rim. Menace sir. to society. I don't know what you watch when you're growing up. Rafe, Rafe, the juice soundtrack is fantastic, all right? It's very good. The best one is still above the rim. Oh, gosh. All right. All right. Uh, Rafe, here's my takeaway from the Tyson Fury Wilder first first blood here, first sme- smell and, and feel. Um, You've been right. All along. I don't know what this thing I'm about to tell you means for the fight. But you've always said, look, Tyson Fury is a big time liar. I mean, he's going to say one thing out of one side of the mouth and one thing out of the other. In this press conference, he spent half the time saying I'm going to outbox him. And the other half saying I'm going to knock him out in the second round. And I know that's just that's just gypsy talk. That's what the big gyp does. He just does that. But Rafe, on a overall feel... I took away that Wilder is is dialed in. I thought he, quote-unquote, won this press conference easily, had the right answers to the right things, except for some really annoying bomb squad drop-ins that both startled me listening and and poor Jimmy Lennon Jr. there. Um, Wilder was spot-on across the board. If you were going to take anything from this that could affect the fight, I don't know if Fury's in the right headspace, man. He was all over the place where at least ahead of that first fight, he had a focus about fulfilling this impossible dream and this greatest story ever told, this this you know comeback story of a lifetime that I I don't feel like is there the second time around. That focus that 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 needs to be there. He was all over the map, Rafe. Well, it's pretty hard to tell the greatest comeback story of a lifetime ever told, whatever it's called, story right now, because that arc is complete now, I think we can say, and I do believe that, I wouldn't say robbed, but he he deserved a better ending to that arc in December 2018 when he deserved to win by decision over Deontay Wilder. That was the end of that story. But then he, great for him, signs a huge deal with Top Rank. Showing up on ESPN, he's there. He is a star now. Now, how how big how big of a star? Whatever you can debate that, but the comeback is complete. Maybe he hasn't accomplished the the final chapter of it, but just he's he's spent a whole year now. 
being just a regular heavyweight star in boxing, that's a very good thing. But it's hard to the inspirational side of it, it, it is sort of interrupted. And Deontay Wilder has the the, the clearer Deontay uh, Deontay Wilder has the <clears throat> consistency advantage because everyone has a consistency advantage almost like, over. Tyson Fury, you do know what you're going to get from Deontay Wilder, a guy who's going to lose a bunch of rounds and then win by knockout almost every time. And Tyson Fury is a guy who can outbox him, but we we don't you you're you have to ask questions because he's been erratic over the course of his career. He's had to pull out of fights. He has looked bad against lesser opposition. Now, to his credit, nothing is on like Donkey Kong. Ask Vlad when he wanted that rematch. What happened there? Who it was not on like Donkey Kong. He's standing there with a, with a USB prediction that he never got to use for that fight. Um, yeah, Fury is 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 an erratic character, and I think it's hard. He's able to paper that over with his gift of gab, and he can tell a great story, spin a great yarn. But right now, there's so many clear. Things to be uncertain about the trainer change, the fact that I don't what do you think I now he is acknowledging it. He's saying he's going to be heavier for this fight because he wants to body and dominate <laughs> Deontay Wilder. Maybe that if he and Fury's the kind of guy who can pull it off. That's the one thing you never write him off because of the talent and the boxing IQ that he has. He can he can pull a win out of his bunghole when he looks like he might not be in the greatest condition. Um, but I think he's going to look heavy for this fight. He looks heavy right now. I think that beard is hiding some extra chin. What did you think? Do you think he looks big? I do think he looks bigger. And I think it, it plays into this fear I sort of set up to you that if he doesn't have that one thing driving him like he had in trying to tell the story and, and really fulfill the full comeback in his own heart, right? Like, to, like, I, of course it's driving him ahead of that first fight. He was 400 pounds. He was on drugs. He was all that stuff. And he turned it around. He was making himself a believer. He used that power, that spirit to get up off the canvas in ways we didn't think were possible. This time around, yeah, the trainer change is curious. He looks thicker. He says he's made the trainer change because he wants to be more offensive and go for the knockout. And like I said, a minute before that, he's, they asked him how he's going to win. He's like, I'm going to outbox him. Um... I just have a fear that that we've seen two completely different sides of Fury in the ring over his whole career, okay? The one versus Wilder and the one versus Klitschko were one and the same. They were dialed in guys there to prove a point in great shape or, or you know, great shape comparative to where they were before that. And then we've seen the bloated F around, have fun Fury. And I don't just mean the Surf and Safari version of Fury. I mean, go back and watch some of those fights before the Klitschko one. When he obviously came in fat and not caring, didn't really show you anything. I mean, there was a narrative entering that Klitschko fight that he was going to get knocked cold pretty early. And, and, and look, we're like, he's big, but he doesn't have power. He's always out of shape. Man, like we never knew, of course, that he had it in him to do that Klitschko performance. But I don't see that spirit and that fire this time around, Rafe. Yes, weight seems an issue. Mentally, he doesn't see the same. You never want to put too much stock ever in a media appearance. But I, 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 I bow down to these things. I, I bend over for these things. I get <clears throat> affected by watching these things. And I saw a Deontay Wilder 
who's ready to, to punch a hole in that guy. And shout out to the Irish crew, the ADK crew, the Godinez crew, all the crews. But I exited that feeling like Tyson Fury's going to F around and get knocked out here, Rafe. Well, you don't. It, look, Tyson Fury is the kind of guy who has proven again and again he can he has the talent to get away with effing around a little more than he should. And God bless him if he does it again. But Deontay Wilder obviously is maybe the last fighter in 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 any division you want to f around like that with because uh, he has killing power. But Rafe, um, wasn't this the fear you had? When Fury stepped out of negotiations for the Wilder rematch, stepped into that ESPN deal, guaranteeing us a sort of wasted year of, of you know, F-around fights against the Schwazes and the uh, and the Valines, that if he doesn't have that singular focus and pressing need to be at his very best, can he? He is a fighter who traditionally has fought up and down to the level of his competition, and we saw a little bit of that uh, last year. Now, the Schwarz apparently was such, it was so low that it didn't matter. But in the Valine fight, uh, yeah, that was a tougher fight than we all expected it to be. And, and it's hard to judge exactly because Valine could go on to prove that he is just much better than we knew him to be at the time because he never got a chance to prove it. Or it could have been Fury doing the thing where he's like, I will do enough to beat this guy. And it got a little bit hairy. It got a lot hairier than he expected it to get with the cut. Um... It was also interesting to say that Fury, hear Fury say that he was going to protect the cut almost at all costs, almost at the expense of having real hard sparring. Or it was hard to really understand what that meant. But the idea that now obviously he does not want to open that cut again and, and jeopardize the fight, but that is another thing that could affect his ability to prepare for what will be an extremely difficult fight because. Wilder, one thing, his confidence only grows. That that is, see, he, you don't, he's he can be hard to accept some of his proclamations of greatness because when you when you compare that to some of his shortcomings in the ring, but he he, he hasn't lost yet, at least officially, and you, you he does believe it, and he pulls off the he he lands that punch when he needs it. And that was even against Fury. He did it. Fury on a very, very good night and almost won that fight in the 12th round. It was. Uh, and so Wilder coming in seemingly more confident than ever. Fury having more reasons to be concerned about. And I think he does. He is the type of fighter who, if he knows he can get away with showing up at 50 percent, he seems to be the kind of guy who will show up with 50 percent. He'll do just enough to beat the man in front of him. And that's always worked, right? It literally has always worked in his life and career. And he's upping the ante against himself, it seems, to pull that off one more time against an opponent. You, know, you keep gambling like that, eventually you're, it's, it's not luck, but eventually the, the calculation that you make that you can do just enough to best the man with your talent, with your brain, with all of the attributes that Fury has, Eventually, you miscalculate. Just when you cut it that close, right? You're trying to, you're, you're, you're trying to, you're in that, you're in two lane passing, two lane highway, and you're passing someone, and someone's oncoming, and you think you got it. So you, God, don't try this at home, folks, or on the road. But when you screw up that judgment, you're in deep, deep ish, and that could happen with Fury, or he could pull it off. That's, I think, when you mention his uncertainty, the good that he is a magician in 
playing that even when it does work against him, it also works against his opponents because you got you got to know that Deontay Wilder he sees these issues popping up and he's aware of them for Fury and he's thinking that's got to give him confidence. But there's got he has to know also that what if it, what if Fury is playing me? What if it is all another uh, another an, uh, you know another scamola? What if he actually yeah. shows up ready to do this? Because you can't really count that guy out. You know that not knowing <clears throat> what you're gonna get is can be scary too as an opponent apologies to the listeners Rafe as I as I die here uh with Vegas is already attacking me Rafe and uh, let me bring in Vlad for advice on that be different or die please don't die please but don't different die. why different because please don't different. die you're special please don't die uh interesting stuff here Rafe very interesting stuff Yes, Fury's now a proven liar on many fronts. Not if not as if we didn't know that before. But when somebody's coming out and being Conor McGregor-like and being so boastful, you just want to believe them. And Fury's telling reporters he's going to fight Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania this year, which, if you're following WWE storylines, seems to make no sense. Then, of course, we know a couple weeks back he did that whole public thing of Conor McGregor said he trained me. I'm going to be in the UFC later this year, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if you saw. I'm obviously in Vegas. For I did that. see Conor McGregor saying, like, I've never spoken to the guy. Yeah, he's like, fair play to him. It's a great story, but I've never talked to him once about anything, let alone training him for a fight. So skinhead white guys unite on that. Um, You know, Fury's that con man that you have negatively labeled him a lot. It's just what I saw in this press conference always harps back to me to that original question after that first fight when we sort of said what would it look like a second time is who can improve more from that. And I know there's still that debate of, well, Fury was in good enough shape to pull off that performance, but he was still a little heavy. He still was only back less than a full year. Of course he can improve more. I don't really know if that's true, Rafe, because I do subscribe to the to the theory that Wilder has been truthful when after that first fight, he doesn't bring this up much anymore, but he did after that first fight. He said, look, the moment got to me. It was bigger than me. I was sort of, you know, deer in the headlights in the uh, first half of that fight. And you go back and watch that. And yeah, he had trouble catching Fury, but he also just, just seemed lost in that fight. Okay, so he seems lost in a lot of his fights, right? But it just seemed like that fight, he maybe psyched himself out a bit. I think this last year, undoubtedly, has helped Wilder more than it's helped Fury from gaining more confidence and going in there and knocking fools out and all that. I feel like Wilder has a lot more room to improve from that first fight. And maybe this is the ultimate con from Fury that I'm talking myself into believing he's not the same guy mentally anymore and he'll pull one more fast one on him, one on us, one more three-card Monty. But I feel like this press conference succeeded at the very least in really adding nuanced questions for the hardcore, not the regular fans, right? The regular fans are going to talk about seven times masturbation, but for us who can pick and choose on the words and the inflections and try to decide what we learn from that. Yeah. And Brian, a couple things. First of all, I now I think the con man description is, is not unfair for Tyson Fury, but I don't think it's a negative thing. I think he uses that masterfully to play mind games, to always give himself mental advantages in fights in interviews, in almost every human interaction you can name that he is a part of, 
he it gives him a, a, a confidence and upper hand control of a situation that while it, it, does it mean that he's not always telling you the truth? Well, that's fine in boxing, right? I'm well, I was I'm telling you the truth today. I was lying yesterday, Bob Arum, baby. And the other thing that I, I wonder we've never seen. You correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't think of we've never seen Tyson Fury in a rematch, right? And his Derek professional. Chisora. Derek Chisora. Did you hear him? Send, I think he sent Manuk to hell. Our guy from uh, from boxing scene in the L.A. Times. Do you remember that during the press conference? Somebody asked it, a question. I think it was Manuk about, well, you know, Fury hasn't had a rematch. And Fury grabbed the uh, mic. He was like, do your research. He, I've had a few of them. I know of Chisora offhand. I don't know if he's had well, send, send me to hell. Thank you. I guess Chisora, that's it. I don't give – I like Derek Chisora a lot. I don't give him the same benefit of the doubt in terms of being able to figure something out about fighting. He's a, he's an aggressive, come forward guy. Will take a few punches. Very fun fighter, especially when he's in shape. He's dangerous, good power. But he's not the kind who, the first time he fights Tyson Fury, is going to come in the second time with an improved game plan or less or less hesitant. Because if you think, how did in the big the big the big rematch that didn't happen with. Vladimir Klitschko and this big big rematch that is going to happen with Deontay Wilder the way that Fury won against Klitschko and deserved deserved to win against Wilder was that that defensive almost snake charming act where he's against a guy who he knows probably clearly has a demonstrated power advantage and a gr- and two of the best right hands in recent boxing history right and He's able to get those guys to keep that weapon holstered for much of the fight or maybe not be as dangerous with it as they could be. Certainly against Klitschko, Wilder wasn't afraid to pull the trigger, but he missed a whole lot. Um, But he's able to win the early rounds of those fights by being so weird and shifty and awkward that they don't really know what to do with him at first. And I wonder... After 12 rounds, is Wilder going to be ready to just let his hands go more, use his jab more, and be more effective? And that is, that may be also the reason why Fury maybe is not – maybe he's being smart about this. Maybe he's thinking, all right, I, I, this guy has seen me for 12 rounds. I respect him enough to think that he's going to be dangerous in, at the beginning of our 13th round in a way that he wasn't at the beginning of our first round because he, he know he's a little bit used to me. So I can't just go in there and wiggle my torso and have him guessing, not knowing what to do. I'm going to have to come up with something different. Maybe it means bulking up, fighting more inside, doing the slobby fury, which is a very – I still am convinced on some levels that might be the best version of him when he's heavy and he leans on guys and tires them out. And we've never seen Deontay Wilder try to fight inside Rafe, because so nobody f- really wants to get inside on a guy with that power. Well, but if it happened, you better have and get inside on him. Historically, to be honest with you, very little heavyweights have had success fighting on the inside, especially big ones, obviously smaller ones like Tyson, Rocky, Marciano. Oh my God. Imagine you know, Joe Frazier, would, but, but like James Tony against Deontay Wilder. How oh whoa, I think about that, man. Remember when Riddick Bowe was Riddick Bowe for that short window, it was like, Oh my God, we've got a big heavyweight with quick hands who loves fighting on the inside. It, oh wow. If Fury transformed into that then maybe there's more truth coming out of that press conference and maybe that's why he hired sugar hill steward by the way no one's talking about how he changed his name he was javon hill and now he's sugar hill steward javon sugar hill to 
Sugar Hill Stewart. I. It's all so strange that I, not not that strange, but it's like I I don't know what to make of it either. <laughs> All right, Rafe, I got to get moving on to the skinhead white guy stuff today. A lot of uh, every, everyone already know, the listeners to this show know that it's UFC 246 week. And uh, Media Day calls me. But I want to close with this. Clarissa Shields on Showtime over the weekend gets the wide win against Ivana Habazin. Wins two belts at 54. There's no one left for her to fight. She's not going to be able to make 47. It doesn't seem like Cecilia Brekus, the pound-for-pound queen, the undisputed welterweight champion, uh, wants to move up to face her. There's so much talk about the UFC right now. In an interview yesterday with TSN, Dana White revealed that Clarissa Shields had a sit-down meeting with him a couple months back at the last big UFC card in Vegas. And um, I'm sorry, with her, with Clarissa, in that this seems to be a thing. They asked Dana, you know, over-under on her competing in the UFC in 2020. And he was like, "Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it'll happen. Uh, Would you care? Seriously, straight up, would you care? And I would hope, by the way, that she would take more than six months or a year to since she's only 24. She's got time to actually make a transition to MMA if she wanted to. But would you care about the spectacle of Clarissa Shield saying, I can't make any more money in women's boxing. There ain't nobody here. I'm just going to go over there and see what happens. Yeah, Clarissa, I, I listen to a certain interview with the great Paulie Malinaji when he says boxing is full of S, man. Get out of here. No, don't. You know, I mean, please stay if you want. But. Um, if, and I would get excited for a, a crossover because, unfortunately, I am way more familiar with fighters like Amanda Nunez in in UFC. And, I, I mean, I don't know if Holly Holm is still uh, active as a fighter. Obviously, she was a boxer first. That would be an interesting sort of early matchup if she's building up uh, for well, Clarissa she Shields. She at I mean, 135. Clarissa just fought for the first time at 154. Okay. I mean, we got, I mean, Holly has fought at 45 before, but it's, uh, yeah, whatever, whatever. It, right? it Holly, I mean, I just, they had common, like Holly and Nunez had a common opponent, so I thought they were in like the same ballpark. Yeah, they fought anyway. each other recently. Whatever, nobody cares. So, all right, look, I think I, I have heard of several female UFC fighters. I have seen their fights in Vegas, wherever, and I have not, heard of i i every time clarissa shields goes into a fight i don't know who she's fighting that sucks for boxing but yeah. if if the end but you don't see any of the big boxing organizations really getting behind women female you know women's boxing they'd like they're to not get behind get, them i mean they you know they yeah. they're not getting they're not supporting you don't see top rank uh signing clarissa shields and a bunch of and a bunch of women boxers to to build around build opponents for you don't see PBC doing it you don't see uh, I mean those are the ones that really matter those are the ones that have the the sort of platform to build a star if they try to and if it's not going to happen I don't blame her for going to MMA where hey the kind of athlete that Clarissa Shields is the kind of fighter that she already is why not give it a try and yeah take it slow I love it Love it. I'd be there. I'd, be, I'd care. I'd care about it. I just want to see her not cash herself out without getting the proper training first. We'll see what happens. Rafe Boogs on Twitter. He's the athletic zone. He's the best in the business. Rafe, thank you for joining me. Thank you. All right. Special thanks for Rafe Boogs making the time checking in from his native island, his island, Manhattan. Indeed there. Uh, champ, you're going to need about six or seven more of those pies. Um, I'm fired up, like I mentioned, 
A lot of MMA stuff going on today. It's a hard one day for me today. But I know you don't want to hear that. So uh, why don't we move the show forward? And it's time to talk with some Swifts. Yes, it's Danny Garcia coming at you right now. Time to talk about it. It's January 25th return on Showtime. A little bit more than a week away in Brooklyn. Going to hear his thoughts on Spence. Going to hear his thoughts on everything. Coming up right now. Enjoy. Danny Garcia, the swag champion of the world. I'm back. Is back, yes, baby. Sir. January 25th. Showtime. Barclays. Ivan Redkoch, the exciting brawler coming at you. How you feeling, buddy? You're back. You're back in a big way. Uh, I feel great. I'm, I feel great to be back in the ring. You know, uh, I've been off since April. I've been in the gym training hard. I can't wait to go out there and showcase my skills. It's going to be an epic night. Now, what is the... Uh, I don't. Do you, did you want to be off that long? What went into that? Did you have any other fights fall apart? We thought you were going to fight Mikey Garcia for a hot second. Yeah, a couple fights fell off. You know, the Mikey fight fell off um, in August. So that fight fell off. Then we tried to find somebody else. You know, because we want we want to fight on pay per view, so we wanted to have the right guy, and you know, we it just it just didn't go through, you know. And um, now we're here, so you know, we just got to rebuild and build up to that next big fight. All right, when you look at the potential opponents for you, and you end up choosing Ivan Redkoch, who's fresh off a uh, a hell of a performance against Devin Alexander, in which he knocked him down a bunch of times before stopping him. What what made you want to choose him for this specific fight night? You know, he's uh he's a southpaw fighter, you know, and um we want we want to get some southpaw working. We feel like he's a tough fighter, he's coming to fight and he's gonna he's gonna give me a good hard fight. So that's that's what we wanted. We wanted somebody that's gonna push me and make me fight. And um and I feel like this is this the type this the guy to do it. Now when you say you wanna get some southpaw working, I don't know, Danny Garcia. Yeah. I start thinking about Errol Spence Jr. Is that still a thing? Obviously, given Errol's uh, unfortunate accident, we don't know his timeline. But is that still fresh on your mind? You know, you know. Thank God he's okay and he's doing good. I heard he's doing well. I heard it. I heard it's not as bad as people think it is. And um, yeah, we want to get this win. Can't overlook Redcast. He's hungry. We want to get this win, and we want Manny Pacquiao or Errol Spence. Wow. Wow. Talk about two big welterweights out there. That, that, those would be some big nights at the office for the swag champ. No doubt about it. What was your opinion? And obviously, like you mentioned, we hope all things well with Errol Spence. He's able to make a comeback. What was your opinion of his performance against Sean Porter? I thought it was a great fight. Epic fight. 50-50 fight. Like I expected it. I knew it was going to be a 50-50 fight. Um, split decision win. Could have went either way. And it was, a, it was a great fight for both of those guys. Now, when you mention words like Manny Pacquiao, it reminds me of just a few years back when I thought you were getting that Floyd fight, man, after you beat Lucas Matisse, and it feels like everybody's yeah. waiting around hoping their name is called. Is it is it still like that with Manny Pacquiao right now, given his legendary status? Yeah, he's definitely the legend, so he's going to fight who he wants to fight. Um, it doesn't matter how good or bad I look. Um, he just wants... He wants to fight the fights that benefit him. So he's the legend. He makes the cause. So, you know, you got to beat the legend to become the legend. And yeah. um, that's why I want to fight him. Yeah, no doubt about that. That would be some big business there. Um, I don't really believe what I saw when he fought Keith Thurman, that he still got that. I know he just turned 41 a couple of days ago. Uh, does he still have it, man? Is he, is, he, is he still as tough as he ever was in your eyes? You know, before the Thurman fight, he had his last couple of fights, 
he was looking mediocre, but he came back strong. He gave everything he had, and uh, it looks like he's still that guy. So can't 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 say nothing bad about him. All right. Speaking of being that guy, is Danny Garcia still that guy? You're in this this excellent point in your career, big time star, right. still in the midst of your prime. What is fueling yep. your hunger these days? What are you after? Oh, you know my legacy. My legacy. This is. I feel good. It feels like I'm just getting started all over again. Um, I just I want to be I want to win a world title again, and um, I just feel rejuvenated. I feel good, and um, taking care of my body, taking care of my mental, mental, mentally, physically, and I just feel great. I'm ready to go in there and show the world why I'm still one of the best. And you mentioned stepping up to the pay per view level. I mean, it's been a great year for PBC, for welterweights, for big stars making that leap. Because you know, be getting in people's households on Fox and and the work you're doing on Showtime as well. Um, do you think Terrence Crawford fits into that picture? Do you do? Is he someone you look at as a potential opponent, or did you just say, "Ah, oh, he's across the street. He's got his own issues." You know, in boxing, anything is possible. Anything is possible as long as it makes sense. But do you get when when he says things like, "They need to come to me." Is that is that accurate? I don't feel like that's accurate, Danny. Nah, I mean, he, I feel like he needs me. I'm the bigger star. I've, I've been, I've been, I fought, I fought the bigger fighters, you know. So I sell out the Barclays Center. I, I do my numbers, so I don't have to go to nobody. They gotta, they have to come to me. Yeah, you, there's, there's certainly leverage on the PBC side right now. A lot of big stars. We can't wait to see which guy's gonna come out. Which guy's gonna come out of this sort of de facto tournament on top. Danny Garcia right in the mix of that. Uh, Are we thinking knockout against Ivan Redkoch? Is that your plan? Are you looking to make a giant statement to open the year? Yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want. I want want to stop him. Wow. Wow. Uh, When you look back at the the highlight reel that you've been able to put together, is there one knockout that that gets you the most fired up? Is there one where you're like, hey, hey, uh, Check me out. Check me out. That's that, that. That's Danny Swift Garcia right there. Yeah, I have a few. I have a few. I like the Rios knockout. I definitely Amir Khan is probably one of my favorite knockouts. Certainly, your underdog status at that point, no doubt about it. Um, I mean the Salka one was brutal, but every time I see Eric Morales get spun around, I mean, I oh catch yeah, the I feels. forgot about that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was big too. All right, it's the holiday season for all of us in the Garcia household. How is our man Angel Garcia doing these days? Uh, he's doing great. You know, Pops is doing great. You know, he's healthy, he's feeling good, feeling young, still crazy, and I'm still being himself. What do you get a guy who's got it all? Pops Garcia's on top of the world right now. You know, he's he's definitely he's he's hungry for more. You know, he's hungry, um, especially for my legacy. So we're we're locked in, and we want to win. All right, you've been, you mentioned your fan base, and, and when you go to Barclays Center specifically, it, it seems like it's home for you. Not obviously not too far down the road from from where you make your home in Philadelphia, but what what do you think it's been to, for that fan base to be able to attach itself to you like that? Where when you're in the main event at the Barclays Center, I mean, it's as big of a roar as I hear for anybody in the game. I mean, this is you know, it's a dream come true. You know, I never imagined having a big market like this. You know, when my fans always come out and support me, so it's definitely it's definitely a blessing, and I'm I'm glad it all you know just um came out this way. 
You know, when it comes to building a fan base, sometimes promoting a fight is you borrow a little bit from pro wrestling, right? Sometimes you got to beef with a guy, you you get fired up. Sometimes guys are the heroes, they're the villains. Do you ever get caught up in that where, where you want to be loved by the crowd or you don't care just as well if they hate you as long as they're showing up and paying their money? Um, no, I need the I need the hate. I need the hate. I I need love, but I need hate. I need I need sometimes I need more hate than love. So I I like when people boo me, but I like when they cheer me on too. But I like when just when people want me to lose. I love that feeling. I mean, the, you look back. You you had such a run in the beginning where you were an underdog, and people wanted and thought you were going to lose all those times. I still tell the story, Danny Garcia. We thought Matisse was going to do bad things to you. You remember when yeah. Angel stepped in and got in all the reporters' faces and said, no, not my son. That story still gets me fired up, man. The confidence you yeah. guys showed that weekend was legit. For sure. I mean, we knew we were the better guy, but we know politics can sometimes trick the people, you know? Uh People only believe what they read and what they see, what they hear. So we knew in boxing, in that ring, I knew I was the better man, and I knew I was going to show it that night. Absolutely, indeed. Uh, do you have an, you know, you're right in the midst of this prime, but you're you're coming into your 30s now. You've made money. You, you're trying to get into big fights. Do you start thinking about the end at all? Do you start saying, hey, man, maybe three more years, and then I'm out? How do you sort of navigate that in your brain? I really can't think that way. You know, I really can't think that way. Once a man think about retirement, he's retired. Um, and the way I feel right now, the way my body feels and everything, my health and all that, I feel great. So, um, you know, let's just let's just keep going, you know, and let's see what happens. You know, if there was any fear in terms of what you would look like as a welterweight, you've carried your power so well. And, and you're a full-fledged welterweight. You're, you know, you're arguably the most dangerous puncher in this division. Uh do you feel like you've evolved more into a finisher at this weight class than 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 maybe a boxer? Yeah, definitely. Um, I definitely feel like I'm stronger now um, than I was when I first, like when I fought Thurman. That was only about my that was my second fight at welterweight. I went right into the unification fight, you know, and try to take over the division like a true champion. I didn't feel as strong as I do now. I feel a lot stronger, and I feel more season as a, as a welterweight well you got that left hook which is if there's ever a finishing punch in the sport you know there's Deontay Wilder's big right hand there's Danny Garcia's left hook when did you first realize coming up that that could be a a bailout weapon if you needed it you know my left hand's always been strong you know as a kid you know I used to drop a lot of people with hooks and jabs when I was a kid and uh my mother's left-handed so maybe that's where the power comes from there it is. There it is right there. I love it. I love it. Well, we can't wait to see you back January 25th. Ivan Redkoch is the next guy in line. Big business ahead if you come out victorious. Um, When you look at both of your losses in your career, both high profile, both disputed, where you know, yeah. a good handful of people thought you'd done enough to win. Are you motivated to yeah. run those back or are those closed chapters? Where do you stand there? Yeah, no, I definitely want to get those back because in my heart, I feel like I won. I feel like I, I mean, there were good fights, there were close fights, but I felt like as the, the champ, you know, the champion and being the, the hometown favorite and the ticket seller and, and the face of the arena, I just felt like I should have won the fight, you know. Um, but it is what it is. One point, you know, each fight, and then 
I felt like I won. You know, like I said, I was accepted on paper, but I never accepted in my heart. And I'll just come back stronger. Then maybe, maybe we'll see those again. Those were some very, very yeah. fun fights. See him running back. But January 25th is the night. Showtime, Barclays. Can't wait to see you back, Danny Garcia. In closing, what should the fans expect that night? Oh, a Danny Garcia knockout. There it is. There it is indeed. Can't wait. Give our love to Angel Garcia and the family. Hope you're doing well. Happy holidays to you, man. Same to you. Have a good day. All right, special thanks to the swag champ, Danny Garcia, and we'll roll on. That co-main event is one you're going to have to see as Jarrett Swift heard. Or is it Swift, Jarrett Hurd? I don't know anymore. Either way, he took a surprising L there. We had him as a fairly substantial favorite against J-Rock Williams last year. He got out Swift herded by J-Rock Williams in really one of the fights of the year. Now Hurd's back. Is he going to change his style? Is he going to change his weight class? A lot of questions that only he can answer, and you're going to find that out right now. It's Jarrett Hurd coming at you. Enjoy. Swift Jarrett Hurd back hey, how's it going? in action, my friend. January 25th, Showtime, Brooklyn, Barclays, co-main event. We're fired up to see you back, man. It's been a long road to get back to this point. How you feeling? I'm feeling good, man. You know, uh, everybody's asking me, man, like um, how eager I usually get back in the ring, man. You know, I only fought one time in 2019. This is the most inactive I've ever been. And I said, man, it's not about me wanting to fight during the 25th. It's just about me getting back in the ring. You know, I can't wait to be in that square and, uh, you know, getting back to where I left off. So this will be a junior middleweight fight against Francisco Santana, a very wily veteran. We didn't know what weight class you were going to come back to. Why decide to stay put here at 54? Um, yeah, man, I didn't know where that came from. You know, I think people were just making assumptions saying that because I didn't take the rematch um, December 14th with Julie Williams that I, I will be moving up and, you know, uh, Man, and from from my previous fights in the road I took, man, if anyone knows me, they should know I don't go out like that, man. So there's no way I'm moving up to 154 until I get my shot back at the Williams. Well, we love to hear that because it's a busy and incredible division. And like you said, man, you fought in a row. Tony Harrison, Austin Trout, Arislandi Lara. I mean, all killer, no filler. Then the fight with Julian Williams. So you made that decision not to run back the immediate rematch. Talk me through that and, and what your strategy is here. Oh yeah, man. It was it was it was a tough decision for me, man. When people don't understand. It was tough for me not to take that fight. To actually go back to a rematch, man. That'd have been easy for me. But um, you know, it was the reason behind that is because when I suffered that loss uh, May 11th against Julie Williams, I didn't only lose that night. You know, I lost my um, head trainer that I was with for 12 years, and I also lost my gym home I've been training after 12 years. So, you know, just in the process of you know, looking looking for a home, I mean, a new gym home, looking for a coach that has the chemistry and the relationship. You know, um, it was just a, a a lot a lot of of seeking and in the process, you know, the the fight they was approaching, and I knew going to a fight another unification with Julie Williams being underprepared wouldn't be the smartest thing on my end, man. It was a man, I'm telling you, it was so hard for me not to take that rematch, but I just knew it wouldn't be smart for me to do. So who will be training you for this comeback fight against Santana? Uh, Kay Karoma. He's also the trainer of Shakur Stevenson. Uh, and uh, 
you know, man, was working with Kay Caron has been so great for me because, like I said, I've been with my in my my gym and, and training here at home for 12 years, and you know, he's opened my eyes to new things. You know, he's having me traveling for training now, and not only focusing on so much media. You know, I was becoming this big hometown hometown guy back here in Maryland. So, you know, with a lot of distractions here. And now he's getting me to travel and train, you know, just eat, sleep, and focus strictly on Boston. So, um, you know, it was different for me. It's tough. But, uh, you know, this change was good for me. I didn't realize it was something I was missing in this entire time of my training. So the people that know you must be thinking, did you move out of mom and pop's house now? Oh, yeah, man. That's another thing, man. Like I said, I also cut the hair off. And I uh, finally moved out of mom and pop's house, man. I'm still here in Maryland. But, uh, you know, uh, it was just time for a big change for me. So I can respect that. I made and those if, two changes. And if you yeah. cut the hair off, that means you're, 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 you're coming back for business. Um, what do you take away from the loss to Julian Williams? It was in May. It was in Fairfax, Virginia, near your home. And it was, you know, it's probably going to end up really high on these fight of the year lists in the end, if not number one. Uh, didn't go your way, but man, that was a hell of a performance from both of you. What do you like about that fight that you can build on? Uh, man, you know, so crazy. Actually, this week, this past week was my first time watching the fight since I lost. Man, you know, uh, I was just kind of getting away and getting myself together. You know, I lost a lot. Not only in that fight, I, like I said, I lost my team and things like that. So I was just trying to stay to myself. And I watched the fight recently this weekend. And I realized, man, I was like, uh, man, I don't make no excuse, but I just know that wasn't that wasn't the, 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 sport, the swift that, that everyone usually used to seeing uh you know learn from that fight I learned that you know just for the fighters out there who's coming up with younger no matter it's harder to get something. I mean it's hard to get to where you at but it's harder to keep it. And when you do reach it man, just don't get too comfortable. You know, like I said I was coming as a big hometown favorite guy in my hometown and you know with the media, with the with the um you know the the, the fans sub so, uh, the fan base coming up um family you know a lot of stuff was i was dealing with before a fight when i should have been focused more on the fight um promoting the fight and things like that and uh you know it, it just from, from i can say from my julian Williams fight and my last fight was fury and uh and deontay water on the card against jason wellborn um those two fights man was a lot of media going on and i felt like if i would have focused more on the fights as i did when i faced someone like Ezra and laura Instead of focusing so much on promoting the fight and getting it out there, uh, you know, I, w- I could have been much, much success, more successful that night. So, like I said, no excuse though to, to, to J Rock. No, it's just no. a learning experience, and that, uh, um, you know, just to focus on next time I, I get back in the ring more on the fight. No, I can, I can really appreciate you being so candid and introspective. You know, looking in, in deep into yourself and seeing what needed to be changed. Uh, when you look at your path now, Francisco Santana, January twenty fifth. Is it right back into title contention if you win that? Is it Julian Williams or is it whoever's available for a belt? Uh, hopefully, man. You know, I would love to fight Julian Williams next. You know, that's that's the plan. You know, now that I just wanted to get this this first fight out of the way with my coach. You know, uh, of course, you know it, it was it was just a, a decision with us to take a fight like this um, to work on the things we're working on in the gym, but um, it's also to to prepare. Or fight back with Julian Williams, 
Um, you know, we don't want to we don't want to go into a tough and regular fight where we have to take a long layoff or suffering cuts and things like that. We want to be able to get right back in the ring and prepare for a fight with Julie Williams. If Julie Williams, because I didn't do the rematch clause, it's all up to Julie Williams because I'm not as mandatory for him to accept the fight. And if he decides not to, and a winner so Harrison Charlo, I would love to take that too. But all in all, out of everything, I'm not moving up until I get my fight back with Julie Williams. Love it, love it. What should we expect from the new Swift Jarrett Hurd when you step in there against Francisco Santana in Brooklyn? Man, just expect, no matter what, man, just expect the same excitement. Even though I do, I'm going to make a few changes, a little tweaks in my game. Um, don't ever forget, man, that these fights be fought of the year for a reason, candidates for a reason, and you always expect the same excitement, same explosiveness uh, for 12 rounds, and and just 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 tune in, man. It's going to be a lot of time. Fired the heck up, as always, when Jarrett Hurd steps into the ring. Excited to see you bounce back, man, in a big way here. Uh, happy holidays to you. Great chatting with you. January 25th, showtime. We're going to see it again, man. Danny Garcia, you and the co-main event. Looking forward to it. I appreciate you. Thank you, Rafa. All right, folks, that'll do it for another uh, box episode of the State of Combat podcast. Again, reminder, I don't know where you're at in combat sports. Are you a box-only guy? Do you not get down with the flashy flash in the MMA with the guys in the underwear? Everybody, Everybody's different. I don't want to watch two grown men with panties on. <laughs> Wrestling, I mean, I'm... I mean, he's from the hood. Everyone's different. But please check out what we got going for you on the State of Combat this week. 246 UFC, Cowboy Connor, Media Day breakdown on Friday, bonus interviews, Jorge Masvidal, all that. The regular preview show with Sugar Rashad Evans, the instant analysis Saturday night. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, that's about it, okay? That's about it. So uh, you better watch that fight this weekend. It's going to be a fight that say you and you bank and everybody else that's down Jamal Charlo. I'm down with Jamal Charlo. I love me some Jamal Charlo. So thank you very much. Shout out to Richard Dwyer. Shout out to Alex Godinez and everybody else. But, you know, as always, I got two words for you. We out.